in the not too distant future. Following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to the last comic shop. Hey, hey, it is time for more of the last comic shop. And I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. And I'm joined by my wonderful two co-hosts, J.A. Scott and Chad Smith. And of course... We got some great feedback from some of our fans this week when they told us that we didn't talk enough about food on our show. (laughs) So we're going to start off our program not talking about comics, even though we are a comic-centric podcast. We're going to talk about food, because evidently that's what the fans want. want After they find out we're reviewing The Valiant. Oh, there you go. And it is true. We are we are reviewing The Valiant on today's program, four-part uh, miniseries that was put out it was very soon after Valiant's relaunch in the mid-2010s. It's weird to, what, what you call that decade, like 2010s, whatever it is now. But it was around... What is an aunt? Well, this would act... It was released in 2015, so it's only a couple years old at this point. The tens. The tens! That's what I said, yeah. on the tens. But what I was going to talk about was the fact that I was eating potato chips earlier today, and I thought to myself, why don't we call them crisps? Why don't we call them crisps? Because that seems, I don't know, much more fitting for a potato crisp. Because they're crispy. That's what they call them in England. They're called crisps. Yeah, they call chips fries. I don't know why they do that. (laughs) (laughs) But crisps, I can get behind, right? I think the issue you run into is that in the U.S., Pringles are called crisps. That's it. Why are they? Why are they called crisps though? Like they're not. They're, nothing else is called crisps. They're well, like I mean, the American cheese. They're not really qualified to be a potato chip. Mm-hmm. Yes, cheese isn't really a cheese. <laughs> yeah, the FDA actually stepped in in this in like 1975, and because Pringles are made not from potatoes but dehydrated processed potato, yeah! that they cannot be called potato chips. Wow! So I didn't know this! Crisps. But then, in the UK, where crisps are chips and chips are fries, Pringles went to court to try to get out of paying tax. They didn't want to pay tax that is applied to junk foods in England, so they were arguing that their chips or crisps are not junk food because their shape isn't found in nature. (laughs) Really? And the British court ruled that the potato-based ingredients in a Pringles suffice to make them crisps. But but I want to ask, because the the artificial mashed potatoes, those are like pre-crisp Pringles, right? It's probably related less to all the ingredients, but the ingredients plus the cooking method. So if you cook a Pringle, it's no longer a junk food. Is that is that where we're getting that? I guess, or, or is the fact that because 
if you're really hard up, just pour some milk and smash it all together and hope for the best. And now everyone's thoroughly confused. Yay, English. Well, let's jump into some comic book talk now that we've gotten everybody thoroughly confused. And and, and, and as I said, on today's program, we're going to be reviewing The Valiant. And it kind of made me start thinking about, uh, about my roots when it came to Valiant. Like... I've been a fan of Valiant over the years, primarily because of my co-host J.A. Scott, who has pretty much a, a massive Valiant fan when they first came out, as you might have heard on previous shows. Uh, and, and I had a question for my other co-host, uh, Chad Smith, who isn't really a Valiant fan. Why in the 90s oh. when there was, you know, I know there was Image, there was Dark Horse, but Valiant was considered the big thing. And there was a lot of people that were reading Valiant at the time. Why didn't you jump on that Valiant bank? Okay, well, here, this it gets a little bit complicated, but there's a finite amount of resources, right? Right. So back, back in the 90s, you know, I was in my preteen to teen years, so I could only buy so many books. And I was an image guy. I liked all the, the look of the image books. I liked being frustrated because they wouldn't put books out for eight months at a time. That was fun. Mm. When's it going to happen? I don't know. And then Spawn, <laughs> they'd publish issues out of order. You never knew what was going to happen. It was great. That saved you money, though. Exactly. But then I also had Marvel, which Marvel solved all those, oh, I really like connected universe things. And Image was all about Silent Pizzazz. And then Valiant always just seemed like the lesser. Like, if I wanted a convoluted connected universe, I'll go read Marvel book. If I wanted characters that I don't care about, I'd go to Image. I didn't need Valiant. Oh, wow. I would pick up a handful of issues. I, I have Torah. Okay. I have, uh, some Ninja. Uh, those with the Joe Quesada there. I mean, I in the 90s, I was very heavily influenced by the art more so than, than the stories themselves. I just like the cool looking pictures and... And so that's what I lean to. And that was definitely not Valiant's forte. They okay. were more story-based. All right. Yeah, absolutely. J.A., how did ultimately you get into Valiant originally? I ended up just picking up an issue of Solar, I think, because I thought the cover looked cool. And I got sucked in by the story. Then I remember reading Harbinger. And then Unity came out, and that was sort of like my gateway drug, because then I was like, every book, have to have every book. And then when they started really building out the universe, like with the new Rai and Ninjak and stuff like this, I, I got less and less into it. I wasn't as interested. It didn't have the same flavor, I felt, as those early issues of Harbinger or Magnus Robot Fighter, Solar. Jim Shooter left like less than a, or like a year in, didn't he? Yeah, and that's Probably when... Probably flavor change. Yeah, no, I agree. There was an electricity around, like, what was going to happen, especially around the Unity Saga, and uh, you were just all excited about it, so it's like, it sucked me in, too. But that's why I am always a, a big fan of when things start. Like, the electricity about a series, you know, whether it's TV or movies or comic books or whatever, those first, like, I don't know, 50-some issues of some run, those are the best ideas that that series is ever going to have. And I think eventually that happened with Valiant, where it's like, these were the best stories that we were going to tell up to a certain point. And then they just started playing off of those things and kind of repeating themselves a little bit. And I think that's where... And expanding too far beyond their their core books. 
it, it was fresh, you know, it was something different. I think that's, you know, Chad mentioned it with Image, too. That was the fun thing about Image, too. It was different. It was fresh. It was new. It was exciting. It was, especially back in the 90s, we didn't have a lot of independent publishing. So you either were DC or you were Marvel. And, you know, everything was kind of stale and retread and really, you know, sucking the fumes of their predecessors for the most part there wasn't a lot of interest it was comics for comics sake and then image came out and it's fresh there's new ideas new characters new universes and valiant did the same thing on the much more so on the writer side of things and i think that's what got a lot of people into it and i think it also helped to spark the really big 90s uh speculation boom oh yeah comics and, I, and that's something that I wanted to touch base on a little bit here is that, again, I remember back in the day that uh, there was a lot of speculation that the characters that Valiant was coming out with, these were going to be the next Spider-Mans and the next Hulks and the next Daredevils, even more at times than possibly the image characters that were coming out at the same time. I remember when you would pick up a copy of Wizard. And they would give, like, these are the most expensive comic books that you want to get. Like, Valiant was dominating that for a couple years. Because, again, people were like, you need to pick up Solar Man or the Atom number one. It's like, you know, it's going to go through the roof. You want to pick up Magnus Robot Fighter number one or Eternal Warrior number one or Shadow Man number one. That was huge. It kind of makes me feel like that's the same thing that's going on now. Right, Chad? It's not as Valiant-based or image-based right now. Right now, it's just everything is crazy. And people are viewing comics as investments. And, you know, there were issues that were, you know, $10 a year ago that are $100 issues now. And people are just snapping up Silver Age books. And, you know, if you have a Silver Age book in a high enough grade, you know, it's the new stock market, at least right now. Yeah, that's that's the interesting thing about it. It's like it's either uh, you've got speculators coming in about new characters that are being released. I know that like last year, I remember like there was this big buzz about I don't know the Gold Lantern or something at DC, and characters would be introduced in an issue, and immediately the next issue they'd be up to a hundred dollars because everybody's like, yeah, that's going to be the next Miles Morales or the next Spider Gwen, like somebody that's going to hit a mainstream market and be like movies are going to be made out of. A lot of the stuff Donny Cates was doing with Null and those sorts of characters, they would go crazy over. But it's even gotten to the point where there was an issue of Amazing Spider-Man that just had a really cool cover. And if you didn't have it on reserve or pre-ordered, you weren't going to get it for under $30 or $40. Wow. Even the week of. And now they they have second and third printings. There's a red version and a blue version of it. But it's like if something, if the speculators have deemed something is going to be hot then it it goes crazy. Well, I I think this is, in general, uh, like it was in the 90s, this is awful for comics. That's just my personal (laughs) opinion. Like, the whole speculator market, like, it's putting the emphasis on the wrong things. Uh, When you have folks coming in and they're trying to make money off of comics instead of enjoying them for what they are, which is basically a disposable medium for telling stories. Like, honestly, like, there's a collecting mentality. Yeah, I get that. For most people, you know, it's just a way to tell stories in a way that should be affordable and uh, enjoyable. And so 
you know, I just feel bad for new people trying to come in to this particular market. Like, heck knows they couldn't get, like, any of the older books unless they're in trades or something like that. You can't collect those older books even if you wanted to at this point. Well, so here's how I look at it. If you want to read comics, this isn't like the olden days. Like, I remember I missed an issue of Teen Titans because it was it became a hot book for a while. And so I just stopped reading because I couldn't get that issue and I wasn't going to pay, you know, scalper prices to get it. And so I was like, well, I guess I'm done with this. <laughs> so I'd find a different book to read for my money. But if you want to read a book today, there are so many digital avenues and the trade collections and, you know, even the, the streaming services through Comixology or Marvel or DC, you have options to read this. Well, that's and that's the thing. And I think before we go to commercial break, I just wanted to say that, like, I, I worry sometimes about comics. I mean, you know, in the but 90s. This is folks- excitement. This is no. being energized. They're being jazzed. They're going into comic shops. That's when true. the last time anybody gave a shit about a comic shop? But at the same time, I think they're going into them for the wrong reasons. And like when the bubble burst in the 90s, there was calamity in its wake. Like when the bubble burst in comics and everybody flooded out, you had, you know, sure, there were other things going on. But it was like Marvel went freaking bankrupt like there were massive things that happened and it took another 10 years for them to pull themselves out of that ditch and i feel like nowadays comic books are now like on legs that aren't so exactly stable and now you're gonna put a bubble on top of that i don't know i'm just saying you need you do need a dark ages to have a renaissance and you know the end of the 90s comics were in bad shape but a lot of the stories were in bad shape, too. So, you know, did it hurt comics? Yes, but at the same time, it gave rise to a lot more interesting storylines, a birth of independent uh, comics, much bigger, much broader than we had previous to that. Marvel and DC had to rethink how they did things and storylines and character arcs and, and their whole distribution model changed. Go ahead, And Jeff. you know what they did? They started marketing to the people that were fans of comics in the 90s. And they've been milking that cow ever since. If they can get another bubble and get people excited about comics and comic book characters, you're building a whole set of marks for the next generation, waiting for the next big, you know, oh, I read this whenever I was a teenager. I remember I thought this was going to be worth $600. I can't wait for the new Iron Lantern 3 movie that's coming out. (laughs) All right. Well, we got more Last Comic Shop coming right after these messages. We're going to be reviewing The Valiant, so stay tuned for that. Have you ever been reading through a sack of comics and thought, maybe I should see what the Sarkham Asylum game is all about? Or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage since you didn't know who half the characters were? Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode we take a look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. So whether you know the comics and want to know how all these games work, or you know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop. Oh yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention before we get off of this topic is now I told you how they're treating comic books like stocks. A few years ago, you could have bought an Incredible Hulk 181 first appearance of Wolverine for a couple hundred bucks. Now, you can buy a share of Incredible Hulk 181 with a bunch of other folks. 
I share? Like, is it a piece? Like, do I get, like, page four? I get the hostess ad, that's it? Yeah, if you're the first in, last out, does that mean you get the front and back cover? I don't know. I don't know how it works, but that's it's craziness now. The, the grit ad. <laughs> Make money with grit. It's, it's the nation's newspaper. Um, I got the basketball ad. <laughs> no, it's weird, man. Like shares of comic books. I, I the whole notion of in the the CG grading of comic books isn't that just like kind of like a scam? I don't know. I don't know if I feel comfortable with it. But one thing I do feel comfortable with is reviewing comic books. And one of the comic books that we're going to be reviewing on today's program, in addition to eventually recommendations and all this other stuff, is The Valiant, which was a series that was put out by Valiant Comics, uh, just like the name. This series started in the tail end of 2014 and ran through 2015. So it's about six years old at this point. And, and it was kind of at the beginning of Valiant's relaunch. Oh, before you go too far, do, do they still have the gold key characters and do like Magnus mm. Robot Fighter? No. So this, this was after, or is this after Acclaim sold it? Yeah, this is after Acclaim sold them. This is uh, this is de- definitely after that. But this is about the time I'm pretty sure at this particular moment, Dark Horse had some of the gold key characters at okay. this time. Eventually, they went to to Dynamite, which I think I think is where they are now. Uh, that's why they were really pumping the tires of folks like Exo Manowar and Bloodshot and Turn a Warrior and Archer and Armstrong, because those were the in-house characters, um, especially Exo Manowar, who was one of their most popular characters to come out of uh, the original run in the 90s. But ultimately, Chad, who did the Valiant? And I think it's kind of a little bit of a who's who, right? Oh, yeah. There's some great talent. You have Matt Kent from Mind Management, Jeff Lemire from Swamp Thing and Essex County, which we've covered on the show. Uh, They're your writers, so they were teaming up to write this together. Uh, On art, you have Paulo and Joe Rivera, father and son duo, letterer Dave Lampere, and that's it. There weren't a lot of hands uh, involved in this. But I'm going to gush a little bit, even from the start, about that art. Man, did I love this art in this book. Like, it's it's gorgeous. I, 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 I enjoyed it. I didn't even mention there were varying covers by Francesco Francavilla. Ah, yes. This this art is my jam for sure. Right. I love this stuff. Well, since Valiant is his jam, we're going to have J.A. Scott give us the 10 cents and options of what happens in these four issues, only four issues of the Valiant miniseries. Okay, so uh, for those of you who aren't aware of the Valiant universe, the story is essentially uh, about the Eternal Warrior, which is this Highlander-type warrior that is immortal and lives forever, and his quest to protect the Earth and Earth's speaker, which is in the Valiant universe called a Geomancer. And these people uh, are born and, and the Earth talks to them and they're like, you know, supposed to get crunchy and and help the earth through its issues and throughout time they're battling this great evil that sees itself as a balancer of sorts and comes every so often every epoch if you will to kill the geomancer and the eternal warrior's sole aim throughout history is to protect the geomancers and three times up into the valiant he has failed and this eternal evil has killed the geomancer and so this whole four issue run is about eternal 
evil coming in present day and the eternal warrior trying to build a team of people to protect the geomancer from the eternal evil and it's together they have a big fight with this omega level evil person and try to stave off uh what happens after a geomancer dies because that leads to the dark ages you're forgetting about the most important part of this book which is the fact that bloodshot eats jerky in some sort of Kmart or, I don't know, some sort of department store somewhere in a mall. I thought it was a JCPenney. I don't know. It has a sporting goods section. Like, oh, it must have been a Boscov thing. <laughs> There's a shout out to Western uh, Pennsylvania. But no, it's actually Bloodshot plays a massive role, at least in the tail end of this series, like the last two issues. I think, honestly, if you're a Valiant fan, uh, it's pretty much the tale of two characters, Eternal Warrior and Bloodshot. Both kind of, they can't die. Go ahead, Chad. I have questions. Okay. And since I was never really a, a, a valiant reader, uh, at best I was a valiant picture looker at her. Was this the original Geomancer in the book, this K character? Or she no. Knew? She's yeah. new to me, at least. She's uh, the the '90s Geomancer was Jeff, yeah. spelled with a G. Okay, but he he was also uh, related to this Buck McHenry guy. Like uh, in the original Valiant Run, Jeff McHenry, who's the Geomancer that you meet, he's like a teenage kid. His great uncle, like Kay in this book, is a guy named Buck McHenry, who was evidently like a super awesome Geomancer that was you know set all kinds of batting records and. I don't know, ran for touchdowns. I don't, I don't, but he, okay. they, they talked very highly of Buck McHenry. He had all five tools. He hit for power. Nice. <laughs> so the answer is no. Mm. All right. Second question. How many Highlanders are there in the Valiant universe? I thought there could be only one. <laughs> There were like seven at least. Well, in the original, and I think it still follows into uh, the current Valiant universe, there is a set of three brothers. They are called Gillian, uh, Abram, and I think the last one's Ivar. Uh, they basically are the Eternal Warrior, Armstrong, and this other guy called Time Walker, who found portals that he could time walk or whatever. I don't know. He came into the tail end. He was like, eh, we need another brother and sell books, whatever. So Archer was not one of those guys? No. I was Archer no, Archer is the Harry Krishna. Yeah. He's the, he's the guy that was originally in the old comics. He was the bald guy. And he was supposed to be a harbinger. The harbingers were Valiant's version of the mutants. Like they were born with powers and Hawkeye. Well, the one guy's not here, so he doesn't matter. Right. He shows up in one panel. Right. Archer shows up in one panel. He's jumping over something. That's Archer. Armstrong's the guy in the beginning of issue one that's talking with Kay and is like, I'm going to drink a lot and be immortal. That's Gillian's brother. Like that's Gilad. Gilad Gilad Adipada. Gazincha. <laughs> All right. Any other questions? I uh, I think that's it. I mean, I I watched the Bloodshot movie. It was the last movie we saw in theaters, at least for me. So it's uh, all your before. fault. Mm. Yeah, I don't want it to be the last movie, please. But so I know enough about Bloodshot that I was able to coast through that. But yeah, there's so many people in here where it's like I live forever, and they're like I also live forever, and it's like I'm gonna travel in space where I will live. Yeah, no, Bloodshot's sort of like a Wolverine Punisher amalgam. 
Yeah, yeah. who lives forever. I know, actually, he doesn't, though. His blood lives forever. In the original run, his blood <laughs> lived forever. Yeah, they actually, like, drained his blood, stuck it in a vial, and then gave it to Rai in, in the future. Yeah. Which was one of the few books I actually read, other than Eternal Warrior. That's the main reason I like this book is because it was primarily an Eternal Warrior book. I mean, at the end of the day, you read this book, you read semi sequel, which is called Book of the Dead, and then you read The Wrath of the Eternal Warrior, and that kind of makes a trifecta of really good Eternal Warrior stories that pretty much tell you everything you know about this one character. Like he doesn't even need to have other books. Like you could just read these three and be like, oh, that's. That's uh, Gilidati Potter right there. Like, you can make your movie about the Eternal Warrior from these books. And that's, he was always my jam. Like, I don't know why I liked him as more than other uh, Valiant characters, but I did. And it was the reason why I read this other book called Rye and the Future Force, because he was in it. Because it was pretty much like in a Future Avengers, and he's still around in the year 4000. I was like, ah, okay, I just get more Eternal Warrior. every. But um, I really, really enjoyed at least the first two issues. Especially issue one. I like this notion of Eternal Warrior and the, the flashbacks about how he gets the scars on his face and he fights this Eternal Beast like three times. And every time he takes it in the chops and he, you know, he sees the whole world fall into the Dark Ages again because of, he failed. And so, like, for me, if you're trying to build up a protagonist or somebody I'm going to care about, I think issue one did a good job. Guys, what do you think? It worked well. Self-contained-wise, the only issues I had was if this is the big crossover event type thing where you've got all these different characters. And they had a lot of Valiant characters, you know, made appearances. Ninjak, Bloodshot, uh, we mentioned Armstrong, obviously Eternal Warrior. But I felt it could have been longer. The problems I had was there were some of these characters that, you know, people are well-known characters like Faith and... Exo Mana War, they literally either get a passing mention or a panel. I think Archer was on his single panel in the entire book. And these aren't just like throwaway characters like B-List. Uh, they're important characters with their own books. That I didn't understand. You're building up to this massive fight where he's got this huge team behind him, but that was like just left unsaid how he got all these people to suddenly show up and fight you know the avengers assemble moment yeah for me um it, and i'll just kind of say i enjoyed this book enough as i was reading it really there were only two characters that i thought were developed and they killed one of them in the end and then there were all these other characters mixed in that i, I did not care about in the least Part of me wants to just tell Valiant to be like, hey, just focus on telling a good story for, you know, a couple of central characters. And like, I guess that's what they did with a lot of their other books. But like here, everything was well done enough. But at the end of the day, like I, I was left with nobody to really care about. Okay. What were the two characters that you did care about? I mean, yeah, well, I, I... it's Bloodshot and Kay. Like, they give them that little relationship where, the, you know, you mentioned it before, where they're in the mall and they're going through all the different stores and they're like an old married couple. I like I like it says, we'll go to the mall. Let's go to the department store because there's more exits. And if I run out of bullets, they might have a sporting goods section. <laughs> <laughs> he's always thinking. He's like, are we going to go to the K Jewelers? Are we going to go to the Kenny Shoes? And like, that was neat. They explored some of their characters there. 
But then the rest of it was just like, I live forever, and the evil that lives forever is going to come and try to kill this person that lives forever. And then after they live forever, we'll start all over again, and people will live forever some more. And like, who yeah, gives I, a f***? Pardon me. I, I thought the how they handled the uh, the reveal at the end with that boxing thing was like, huh? Where did that come from? Because that makes no sense. And it's yeah. like, oh, we got to figure out how to end this and and leave it open, but concluded at the same time and i was just like yeah it feels like you cheaped out on that one you wrote yeah. yourself into a corner and you didn't know how to get out of it so you, let's use the time travel trope right instead of four issues i would have loved to seen this series as six because i think that there were some neat concepts i didn't mind the whole box idea like you know again this mysterious box that's gonna you know solve uh, the problems that, you know, the Eternal Warrior has been struggling with for millennia and how to save these geomancers from basically something that's Im- immortal and, and, and ungodly powerful. But at the same time, like, there just wasn't enough time to develop any of that. When you wanted to throw in all that great stuff between Bloodshot and K, if you had some other great stuff about the backstory with the Eternal Warrior, you had fight sequences with major members of the valiant uh, universe. And you wanted to kind of cram that into four issues. And I just don't think anything had enough time to breathe other than issue one. That's why, I mean, issue one, I think, and maybe some of the, to Chad's point, some of the stuff between bloodshot and K those moments had time to breathe. They had time to just, here, here's some nice dialogue, here's some nice character interaction, here's some nice backstory, here's a reason why you should care about these folks. And everything else was just kind of like, yeah, we got these neat ideas, and we're going to put them on a page, and, and, and hopefully you won't get pissed off that you only get five seconds with these ideas. And yeah. the other thing to mention, when the book gets violent, it gets hyper-violent. Like, people are cut in half and just left out in the snow. Their necks are twisted all the way around. But guess what? It doesn't matter. Nothing that happens to these characters matters. Oh, I mean, the guys who get cut in half are are dead. Yeah, but they're (laughs) just goons. He saves the other goon to blow into a little breathalyzer thing to get him in. Like, I got him off panel. Let's talk to the tattoo guy. Let's get in this box. And I, and I won't lie, I was kind of excited about, again, back to that whole box notion. I, I was excited about this idea of, like, seeing the eternal warrior in the future and things are you know that there's that one great panel i mean i keep on going back to the eternal warrior but like he's facing down this eternal enemy in like the year 4000 and its body is made up of all of the geomancers that it killed like that was grotesque but at the same time awesome i was just like yeah that's a neat visual like that i i i dig that like it makes that battle between those two characters actually mean something like it's been going on for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. And like the, the battle scars that both of them have because of their fights is cool. Yeah. I never noticed I'm mean, way that Kay's going to die before she dies. That picture with all the geomancers. There she is right at the top. Well, I, I knew she was going to bite it. I mean, you don't you don't build that up for that long and then not have that kind of payoff. But that that no, that's the best pictures in the whole book. I just love that so much. It looks very Mike Mignola esque, to be honest. Like it looks like something out of like a Cthulhu Lovecraftian horror. 
and I'm going to... if you look, I mean, the, the immortal enemy has killed, what, like six from the year 4000 or something? The first one's killed like 2000 BC, right? So you're probably like 6,000. It's probably every thousand years. You've got a thousand years to build things up. It's not like the end of the world if we go into a dark ages for a little bit. <laughs> well, what I, but how about this? How, how, how shitty does it feel to be one of the geomancers that he doesn't want to kill? He's like, because there's all the ones in between. He's like, yeah, I wasn't important enough. I wasn't one of those epoch ones. I didn't cause the end of a, another dark ages. Oh, well, I guess I'll just live as Buck McHenry. It's my great-grandniece. That's the one that's important. I'm just the one sitting on the bench. Or maybe it is, it's the other thing. They're too strong. And so he goes after the weak ones. She, that's what they tell themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too tough. He ain't ready for this jelly. I will say I love the creature design, how it morphed throughout the ages. But whenever it was about to kill, the face split open to show the skull. And it took the skull of whatever creature it was impersonating at the time but then it had all these tendril things and i thought that was cool i also liked when he looked like a cross between the joker and alfred and caesar romero (laughs) and and he was called mr flay even the name sounds creepy yeah, it's it's actually a shame uh, not to spoil too much of this, but this kind of the sequel book to this is again this book called The Book of the Dead, and the immortal enemy doesn't come back in that. He's not the bad guy. It's actually uh, an old classic bad guy from the Valiant Universe in Master Dark, which I kind of thought was a little bit of a letdown. Sure, it was cool that Master Dark comes back, but I was just like, he built all this up about this immortal enemy. I wanted to see more Mr. Flay, <laughs> Bobby Flay. I wanted to go to his restaurant. It was delicious. Any case, we've got more of The Last Comic Shop coming up right after these messages, and we'll have our delicious ratings. So hopefully you stick around for that dessert. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the fifth annual live stream for The Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the live stream for The Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop. And as you might have heard, uh, live stream for The Cure. Uh, that is an event that we are going to be participating with to help uh, try to raise money for cancer research. It is a great, great cause, and we're so happy to be participating in this year's event among many other podcasters from throughout the world as we come together to uh, do a live uh, review of a comic book, basically a live version of the last comic shop uh, during uh, the live stream for The Cures uh, Marathon. And uh, again, you can go out and support them even now. Uh, you go out to livestreamforthecure.com. What is our shift? Uh, our shift is from 11 to 12 p.m. 
uh, Eastern Standard Time on May 22nd. So if you'd love to hear us do a live review of a comic book and support a worthwhile cause, make sure that you tune in to live stream for The Cure on uh, May 22nd. Tease as well the book! As... Tease the book! What are we doing? Oh, what yes! Uh, the, the book is going to be it's the biggest, Superman. it's the best it is, it's the battle of the century it is Superman versus the amazing Spider-Man which is, it's actually not the first crossover between Marvel and DC do you know what the first crossover between Marvel and DC was, Chad? The Wizard of Oz? The Wizard of Oz, you're absolutely correct, that was the first joint book between those two companies so this was uh, somewhat on the heels of that, but a great Bronze Age book, nonetheless, with some fantastic art. So make sure that you tune in uh, to hear that battle of the century here on The Last Comic Shop and support cancer research. We'll have more details on our website as well as all of our social media as we get closer to the event. And now it is time for our rating. Yes, this is the time when hopefully we don't make a lot of other Valiant fans angry or maybe make them happy. I don't know. In any case, it's uh, one out of four scale. And as always, uh, Jay Scott gives us that one out of four scale uniquely every single week. So, J.A., what is our one out of four scale this week? Well, in honor of the Eternal Warrior who would get a scar on his face every time a Geomancer was killed... We're going to be rating this one out of four facial scars. <laughs> All right. Good luck with that sound effect. I know, right, boy? Well, you just heard it. That was the best I could do. It's like when in, we did the Invincible show and he gave me mustaches. I think that was like a <laughs> fuller brush. I don't know what it was. Any case, we're going to get uh, Chad. He's going to give us his rating. So how many disfiguring uh, scars are you giving this book this week? Okay, so I want to emphasize that I think this book was well done. I can't imagine a book that would be like better done, but not for me. As with the Valiant characters, none of them really uh, connected with me. But boy, oh boy, that Paulo Rivera art, it's just beautiful. Like the way the characters look at each other, the acting, like that was great. The surprise moments of violence, that was tons of fun. Like he is just an artist's artist. I, I, I love his work. I could read uh, Rivera comics all day. And then you have the story. And this is a very serviceable story. I could see this being the Valiant movie as it reads like a Hollywood script. At the end of the day, this is very forgettable. I will remember how forgettable this is. So I'm going to say two and a half facial scars. Okay. J.A., what are you rating this book this week? Well, for me, it was really nice to get back into the Valiant universe. I really enjoyed it. I loved the art. I loved Jeff Lemire's writing. I thought the the whole story was great. Uh, I had some quibbles with the fact that certain characters I thought should be bigger or more powerful don't show up or, or mentioned in passing, like Exo Mana War. That being said, I loved the interaction between... K and Bloodshot. I love the Eternal Warrior arc with the Immortal Enemy. So I could have used a couple more issues to flesh out some of the the B stories, but it was a solid read. It got me interested. I'm going to pick up some other Valiant stuff that's come out. Reading this on the heels of 
the Shadow Man that we reviewed uh, for that quick hit of weeks or months ago. I forget when we put it out. I think it's it's just re-sparked my uh, interest in, in seeing what they're doing with Valiant these days. Uh, my only regret, and this is not towards the Valiant, but for their whole universe, is they didn't get the gold key guys back. Because I really love Solar. I really love Magnus Robot Fighter. For this book, I'm going to give it a solid three scars. Like, like big, you know, chunky scars down the face. <laughs> Just absolutely horrific scars. Like, you, th- there's no way you're going to be able to take your uh, your senior pictures with those kind of things. You're just going to just look awful. I I'm, I'm I think I'm going to actually agree with you about the three. Uh, I think that's an appropriate uh, rating for this particular book, just simply because, to Chad's point, the, the art is just absolutely gorgeous. I think I would have given any book with Pablo Rivera's art uh, a three just based on art alone, uh, just because, again, everything looked clean. It looked wonderfully dramatic and emotional. It, it just looks like a comic book should uh, when you think about some of the greats over the years, uh, whether it's John Romita, whether it's, you know, Ross Andrew, which I love, uh, whether it's, you know, Neil Adams, uh, the, they, they all have a similar quality in which they capture facial expressions and emotions really well. And I think Pablo Rivera is, is right there with those folks because I, I just think is, it's just wonderful. And I can't, I can't gush enough about just some of the imagery with that e- immortal enemy. Like, oh, God, it's just terrifying at times. Like, it's just grotesque and awful. And it's a great counterpoint to some of those, you know, superhero characters. So kudos to making a quality villain. Like, I think that the, you know, villains sometimes make the stories. And I'll also give it a three because I, I did think that the immortal um, enemy was... A solid villain. Sure, he didn't have any motivation other than killing the Geomancers, but he didn't really need to. Like, it, it was his job. Like, he was a force of nature, like a tornado or an earthquake or something else. He was just there to do his job, which was to maintain the balance, which I, I, I got behind. I liked it. And I liked the interplay between him and the Eternal Warrior. But to the JA's point, I could have used two more issues at the very least. Uh, I think this story could have been serviced better with with two more just simply because they could have built up that uh, massive fight between the Valiant Universe and the Immortal Enemy better by having like another issue to show how those characters get together and meet uh, or, or are brought together at the very least. Like that's the great thing about Unity. They did a fantastic job of how Solar and Jeff McHenry went around collecting all of the Valiant characters and bringing them. uh, What was the name of that land? Uh, uh, What was it? Where where Mother God lived. What was the name of that land, J.A.? See, the Unity Tower. That's what she was going to build to destroy the universe. Um... I I keep on wanting to call it like the Savage Land, but it wasn't called the Savage Land. Maybe because it was pterodactyls all over the place. No, that's Savage Land was where Turok was. Wasn't he? Savage Land yeah. is from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, not Turok. Um, what's his name? Sauron. Yeah, and K- Kazar. Kazar. Anyways, uh, long story short, I think that they could have used at least two more issues. But there was enough here. And I will be very honest. A lot of top ten lists 
more current Valiant books, put the Valiant right on top. The Valiant and then uh, Divinity, I think, is like number two on most people's lists. And I can agree. Like Chad said, it, it plays out like this is the Valiant movie. This is your Avengers book. This gets you in and at least gives you a little bit of information about some of the bigger characters. I mean, they could have done a better job with Exo Manowar, how important he is. But otherwise, you know, you get a lot of stuff about Bloodshot and he's super well known, at least the uh, Valiant characters and, and also Internal Warriors. So, yeah, it's a three. You should pick it up if you've never read any Valiant. I don't think you need to read anything other than this. Like this will get you in and you can see whether or not you like these characters or not. So it does its job there. And then you know what also does its job? Recommendations. You know what its job is? To get you into comic book shops. Pick up other things other than the Valiant. Some other of the Valiant books I, I mentioned, like Book of the Dead and Wrath of Eternal Warrior. Those are great ones, too. Uh, but as always on the show, we do a current book, a similar book, and a book out of left field. And we're going to go ahead and start off with Chad, which I think is... Is this a, a current book, Chad? Is uh, in terms of... I wouldn't go current as it's been uh, 10 years now. Okay. All right. We'll say that so, it's similar then. There you It'll, go. The, what I wanted to focus on was that Paulo Rivera art because it really is a thing of beauty. And he was an artist that I first noticed uh, when he was doing some amazing Spider-Man stuff um, and some spectacular Spider-Man. But the big thing was that one more day story that everybody loves. <laughs> I'm not going to recommend that. Uh, <laughs> he restarted Daredevil uh, along with Mark Wade and Marcos Martin. And I remember being a big Marcos Martin fan. Who, he'd made a big impression. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to see this Marcos Martin stuff. And I picked up the first issue, and it was Paulo Rivera on the cover. And boy, did he just blow me away. He would like draw images with the letters. So like a bird would be made out of the letters B-I-R-D, and you know, you'd see the flap, 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 flap. But like, it was such a cool interpretation of Daredevil's powers. And so it starts off Daredevil Volume 3. Uh, Apollo worked on issues 1 through 3, 7, 9, and 10, and then eventually was taken over by Chris Somney. Uh, the whole run with Mark Wade uh, and all the various artists, uh, I, I think it's, it's excellent comic book. Right. They they pass the torch and they run with it. No, I agree with that. I mean, I, I was never a big Daredevil fan, but I was a big fan of that particular run of Daredevil. Uh, that's probably my Daredevil, as as some people have their, you know, there's some of their eras. That's I, I came in with the Ray, with the Wade run and I left with the Wade run and that was it. Uh, J.A., what is your, I think it's, uh, yeah, this is also similar, whatever. We're, we're, we're fudging the numbers this week. What's your, what's your recommendation? Yeah, I guess you could say it's similar. It's not out of left field, it's out of the Lost Land. And that is the, the original Valiant Unity crossover, which introduced a lot of people to uh, the Unity universe back in the early 90s it ran for 18 issues uh starting with unity number zero this was also the start of a lot of these number zero comic books so they used those in valiant always to sort of tell you origin stories so you had unity zero and then it ran through all the comics they had at the time eternal warrior archer and armstrong magnus robot fighter exo man of war shadow man rye harbinger and solar man of the atom and unlike the valiant which 
deals with this immortal enemy, which is sort of this mystical evil. Uh, the evil in Unity is very much man-made. It is a, a person who has been beaten down in life. Uh, she has lots of issues. And that's, I think, what I liked about it, beyond the fact that it, it has 18 issues to breathe and grow. And there's a bit of padding in there, granted. But uh, you get a lot more in-depth story arc, character arcs, and the, find out a lot about the, the big bad, Erica, in this. And she's complex, and that's another thing that I really liked about the the Valiant comics back in the 90s. They brought this level of complexity to their characters that was new and different than a lot of what was going on with DC and Marvel at the time. Right. Uh, it's nice that Erica is kind of, when you say man-made, it's actually, she's, she's actually a Solar-made villain because ultimately Solar is responsible for everything that happened. Like he basically uh, is in that accident and basically recreates the whole universe. And in doing so makes Erica go crazy. And uh, she ends up deciding to do exactly what Solar did. Uh, she, yeah. That's all she wants to do. She wants, she's like, no, no, no. Solar messed things up. I'm putting things back the way they were. And uh, I think that's, that's amazing from, uh, you know, it's the, you know, the other side of the solar coin. And I think that's interesting that those two kind of godlike characters duke it out in this particular series. And for those of you who like collecting physical books, uh, I should mention that they split it into two runs. So the first eight issues after Unity Zero were all cover art by Frank Miller, and you could put all the comic books together and it created one big image. And then the next eight issues featured cover art by Walt Simonson, which again, you could put together all the issues, line them up together to make one big panel. So that was also pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, my recommendation is is the one out of left field this week, uh, although it uh, is related to uh, the Valiant because it is written by Matt Kent, uh, who uh, was one of the co-writers on this particular book, and that is called Grass Kings. It came out of Boom Studios, and uh, it, it's the story of a independent community called the Grass Kingdom. Uh, it's like an off-the-grid community here in the United States, and uh, it's run by this guy named Robert. At the beginning of the book, he's he's still really upset about the disappearance and possible death of his daughter, and um, he has basically de- de- delegated all of the governing responsibilities to his brother Dave, who kind of acts as the Grass Kingdom's lawman. And during the series, this book, there's a mysterious woman named Maria who's pulled out of a lake that's right next to the Grass Kingdom. And it turns out that she's the abused wife of this sheriff that lives in a nearby town that kind of has a very uneasy relationship with these off-the-gritters. And turns out to be a, a big battle between these two communities of folks. Other than just some of the you know domestic drama, which is very, very well told throughout this entire story... I think it's a book you should read just because of the gorgeous, gorgeous art by Tyler Jenkins. Kind of like this watercolor 
pastoral motif. I mean, I was reading this book and there's a shootout between, you know, the Grass King followers and the police. And I have never seen a hand being blown off and the resulting blood spray look like something that should be framed on your living room wall because it's just so it's just so gorgeous. It reminds me a lot of the works of an American illustrator named Charles Reed, who had a lot of overlapping colors and uh, kind of a commitment to realistic uh, human expressions and kind of counterbalancing that with white spaces to make those images pop. And it didn't hurt that this Robert guy that runs the Grass Kingdom is a dead ringer for the late, great Tom Petty. Like, he looks like Tom Petty in every single panel. So it's like, it's like, oh, that's the one from Damn the Torpedoes. Oh, that's the one when he was in the back cover of, <laughs> of Wildflowers. So it's, it's neat. So if you're a fan of Tom Petty, too, I think that's that Grass Kings is a great book for you to pick up. And it goes on for many, many volumes after that. But at least pick up volume one again for the gorgeous, gorgeous art by Tyler Jenkins. And that's all the time we had for The Last Comic Shop this week. I hope you enjoyed our show. Hope you enjoyed our review of The Valiant. And make sure that you check us out regularly at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It is our fantastic little website where you rate, review, and subscribe to any of the variety of places you can find our podcast every single week. Like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, YouTube, CastBox, and a variety of other places in addition you can also find on our website every single day what ja well we've got some wonderful merch you can get some shirts you can get some coffee mugs you can get some sweatshirts and this week only scar cream that's right reduce your scars with last comic shop scar cream that's right doesn't come in crisp form it only comes in jar jar form I, I don't know. That didn't work. Anyways. All right, let me cut you off there. And just state that while we are officially the last comic shop, we may not actually be the last comic shop. So if you go to the www.comicshoplocator.com website, you can type in your address and find a comic shop near you where you can find all this wonderful stuff, some Valiant back issues, uh, some old Daredevil stuff. Uh, maybe you can even beat some speculators to it and join in on some of the excitement. Well, there you go. And until next week, I was the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. As always, make sure that you stay safe, stay sheltered, and above all, make sure that you talk to the Earth like the Geomancers in this book. Go out there, talk to a dandelion, talk to some grass, hug the Earth. Just go out there, kiss some dirt, (laughs) do something jerky. Make sure you find a sporting goods store and then hold up there, kissing your dirt. The Last Comic Shop was a 2021 Black Angus production.